Advancing innovative research, academic excellence, and family-centered care to transform outcomes for children around the world. Children's Mercy Kansas City presents the audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host Dr. Michael Smith. Our topic today is Kernicterus and the Bilirubin-Induced Neurological Disorders Center. My guest is Dr. Stephen Shapiro. Dr. Shapiro is Division Director of Neurology for Children's Mercy Kansas City and Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Missouri Kansas City School of Medicine. Dr. Shapiro, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Mike. So how common is jaundice in newborns? Jaundice is very common in newborns. Um, 60, 60 to 80% of newborn jaundice, <laughs> sorry, newborn infants have uh, visible jaundice uh, at some time within the first week or so of life. And, and of course, the, the main thing that we're trying to avoid is the development of, of kernicterus in, in, this, in these cases. Without appropriate intervention of the jaundice, how often does that happen? Does, does it progress to uh, kernicterus? Well, jaundice in newborn is very common, and actually a little bit of jaundice is good for you. Uh, and kernicterus is a very uh, rare condition. So kernicterus, which uh, kern means the kernel of the brain, icterus meaning, means the yellow staining of the deep nuclei of the brain. Um, in developed countries such as the U.S. or Great Britain, it's about 1 in 100,000 or 1 in 110,000 live births. Uh, there are estimates that this is 25 times higher uh, in countries that don't have uh, good uh, systems uh, of screening of infants for uh, high levels of uh, jaundice or hyperbilirubinemia. And, and Dr. Shapiro, at, at your clinic, what role do you play for community pediatricians and, and neonatologists? Well, I'm a uh, pediatric uh, neurologist, uh, and I'm... Uh, this clinic, I've, I've had a lot of experience seeing children with kernicterus, with bilirubin-induced uh, neurological disorders uh, for, for quite some time. Uh, so the role I play is generally in consulting uh, on children, usually after the uh, excessive newborn uh, hyperbilirubinemia has occurred as to whether the child has brain damage from that. Um, and uh, also, uh, if there is damage, uh, what to do about it, how to treat it, uh, and also in children who have uh, neurodevelopmental disabilities or neurologic problems, and whether this could have been caused by uh, excessive newborn hyperbilirubinemia. Uh, occasionally, I will get calls or, or contacted by, uh, in the acute situation with the baby, uh, a few days of age, and uh, with recommendations on how to treat, but that's less common. And how many patients do you see a year at your clinic? Um, right now, where I'm just restarting our clinic, uh, having moved here a few years ago, so we're probably seeing about 10 or 15 patients a year, and it's uh, we're starting to... Uh, uh, see more and more patients, uh, uh, the pace is picking up. 
And, and of, of course, as with everything in medicine, right, pre- prevention is key, right? That's what we always want to try to do. So what are you doing? Uh, what, what's some of the research you're doing? What's some of the other research throughout the country uh, that's going on right now in uh, the prevention of kernicterus? Well, I think the first thing is to follow uh, good guidelines. And in 2004, the American Academy of Pediatrics put out uh, uh, guidelines uh, that are excellent on how to manage hyperbilirubinemia. Uh, I think another thing that's happened in recent years is measuring bilirubin levels either transcutaneously or uh, by taking a little drop of blood and plotting that on a nomogram uh, that will tell you uh, the risk that the bilirubin is going to get high uh, and then following kids who have high risk of that and treating them with phototherapy to prevent it from uh, going high. Um, in, in most cases. Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's the first thing in prevention. Still, some children slip through the system. Um, part of it is education. Uh, I think that can be very helpful, educating uh, families uh, and physicians about this uh, uh, condition. Uh, but we are now um, uh, embarking on research to look at genetics, uh, as a way to better predict risk of brain damage uh, due to bilirubin. So um, there are known conditions that increase your risk of uh, having significant hyperbilirubinemia. One of them is uh, something uh, called G6PD deficiency. Uh, there are other things that cause hemolysis or breakdown of red blood cells. Uh, and um, there are other conditions like Gilbert syndrome, um, G-I-L-B-E-R-T-S, that um, decrease elimination of, of, of bilirubin uh, by decreased uh, function of the liver enzyme. So if we know those things in advance, uh, that's another uh, tip-off on risk. And then we're hypothesizing that there may be uh, some other, um, uh, there's some other individuals who may be more susceptible or more resistant to uh, bilirubin neurotoxicity. Um, so once the bilirubin, which is bound in the blood to albumin primarily, uh, when it's there, it's really causing no harm. But when it exceeds the capacity of the blood to hold it, it can go out into the brain and cause these very selective, specific uh, areas of neurologic damage. So we have research going on uh, to better predict the risk and better uh, better look for better biomarkers to say if someone has a neurological condition, was this from uh, bilirubin uh, toxicity to nerve cells uh, that happened uh, as a newborn. In, in looking at some of the, the genetic research in some of the areas of, of your interest, are you are you taking on a, a role in educating the community, pediatricians and neonatologists on on some of these preventative measures? Well, I think the American Academy of Pediatrics has taken on a large role in, in, um, in prevention and education. Uh, there are other organizations that have uh, done this. Um, our group is not uh, uh, that involved because, frankly, that's where most of the effort in this has, has gone, and I think it's a, a wonderful thing. Uh, I'm interested in can we better assess risk so that we can 
uh, capture uh, everybody who might uh, be at risk and prevent everybody and not let anybody slip through and do it with uh, um, better tests, better resources, and uh, in both developed and underdeveloped countries. So we're partnering with people uh, who are doing that kind of work. Yes, Dr. Shapiro, I want to thank you for the, the work that you're doing, uh, and I want to thank you for coming on the show. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy, Kansas City. For more information, you can go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. Thanks for listening.